Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is Friday, April 3rd, 2020. That means we have another seven days. So today, everyone keeps thinking it's a slow news day. What are they doing? You know, I can tell you today for me is a day that I'm a little bit pissed off. And I think all of you can, uh, all my listeners can (laughs) kind of feel the same way. Because here's the thing. Weren't we on air here together three weeks ago talking about this bill that they're putting together for saving us and doing whatever? And I said, why is no one paying attention to this committee that they're putting together with full subpoena powers to investigate the president of the United States and how he handled coronavirus? Hmm? Oh, and now people are reporting it. See, that's the problem. Why are we all so involved with this mass thought? I know a lot of people, you know, that are reporters that have bigger platforms. I know it for a fact. I provided them this information, asked them to ensure to amplify it, which they have other times because it is important and they chose to ignore it. Hmm. Chose to ignore it which tells you exactly what side of the fence they sit on. The side of greed. White picket fences are so overrated. If you don't have enemies, then that means you stood up for nothing. Enemies that you garner are your badges of standing up for something. Always. Always. I got a lot of flack, a lot of flack for saying, you know, this coronavirus, I'm not saying it's not real. It's really real, but it's really orchestrated too. And it's really specific too. And it's a bioweapon too, but we're okay. You and your families are safe. This is something that the president has conveyed to people. Relax. We're good because we have the cures because today, this morning I got, um, an email An email uh, that came in at about 3 a.m. on the dot telling me that a patent that I've been following and that I've requested information on has expired. Now, I am just an average person, I guess. And I'm looking at it. So imagine how many other average people out there have been looking at the same thing. The same thing. Tons. Because... There are people who, you know, thrive on burning the candle at both ends like I do. Um, And that's because they're dedicated to their mission. There should be a mission all of us should have in our lives. That mission could be raising up just, you know, just just simple thing. Raising uh, uh, up cattle uh, that feed people. Um, Raising just children. It doesn't matter what it is, no matter how big or small, but when you have a mission and you have drive, you stop at nothing to get it. It's what people tell you is obsession or being obsessed. Actually, it's what makes you happy. The only time that you're obsessed about something, obsessed in the sense of you dedicate time to it, you make time for it, right? 
It's because you love it. Why? Because it satisfies you. Do you know how satisfying I find it every time I do my little part in helping people communicate? And I don't care if anybody gives me a pat on my back. I could give my own pat to my back. I don't need other people to pat me on the back and say, good job. I mean, you know, the human side of me feels that I need uh, that validation, right? It does. It does. But then the other side of me says, well, that makes me no different than, you know, what I'm trying to help eradicate from the equation, you know, because, but again, it's that yin and yang. You can't have one without the other kind of thing, right? But all of you that are listening to the Tory Says Show knew weeks ago what the medications are, knew weeks ago, you know, that, you know, this is going to be a wave that we're going to ride, knew weeks ago about many things like nobody cares how many stocks they sold. We care about what they bought. And, you know, you knew that. I said, nobody cares about what they're selling. We got to look at what they're buying. Because selling is just making money one time. Buying makes the money over and over and over again. And that's how they work. You know, uh, funny story. Yesterday I was speaking with, um, with a friend of mine who's a, who's a lawyer. And um, that friend of mine actually reached out to me after seeing me on YouTube with Millie. And he was like, I was shocked to see you. First of all, what the heck? When did you gain weight? Thanks. Make me feel great. Second, he's like, you don't age at all. And it's like jeans. Hey, you know, resting, you know, biatch face really helps. No wrinkles. And um, now he's in another country um, from where I met him in Belgium. And he was shocked to see that I had, he said, I learned that, you know, about 12 years ago or 13 years ago, um, you were no longer the POC for a company that I've talked about, you know, my J-O-B. And, um, and you went back to the States so that the U.S. had you back there, but um, that you like left the work that you were doing and you went into the sciences. And he's like, you were never the person that was, you know, what I, what I thought was, you know, in the sciences. I mean, you went to college and got a degree for it and you went to graduate. And I was like, damn, did a little bit of digging or what? He was like, well, <laughs> I'm just shocked. I just want to know what made you pivot. You were always the person that was so dedicated to your work and so good at it. No matter where you went in the world, you, you got things done. And it's like, who said I stopped? Do you see what I'm saying? Because all things happen in a process of preparation and then execution. Sometimes plans of, you know, what you, where you want to get to. If you strive to go to the moon, sometimes you have to, you know, aim for the moon and get somewhere in the middle, but there's steps. You can't just get to the moon. You know, you can't, you got to build the rocket. You got to get the fuel. You got to get inside. You got to know how to drive it. You got to pass, you know, the stratosphere, the ionosphere, the exosphere, you know, you got to steer it. You got to, you have all these steps. So, in our life, we have all these steps that we execute to get to whatever the goal is. And now a lot of us, I can say, are aimless. And that's okay because everybody's goal should be happiness. 
right? To be happy. But there are some sad people like me that are like, you know, maybe I won't enjoy happiness, but you know what? I'll get the happiness by giving others happiness. So they set their goal on saying, well, you know, maybe I wasn't blessed with the ability to harness happiness. I'm not, you know, so if me achieving self-happiness isn't something that I see that's tangible or able, maybe making other people happy um, helps. I get a lot of that from friends from my day job. They're like, why do you like, you're like so educated. Like, why are you like not doing this or that? Um, cause it doesn't make me happy. I can still make money doing what uh, makes me happy. Obviously the journalism part, not so much, but you know, the, the, the brick and mortar per se work does make me happy and, and sad, but also happy because I get to help. And, you know, I, I want everyone when they're, when they're now that we're kind of locked inside to kind of just reassess, um, what is it that makes you happy? Like, you know, cause I've, I've done this so sad and I'm totally bare naked right now saying it, but I thought to myself, when was a moment that I was really, really happy? Like, you know, how you have this picture moment of, Oh, I was so happy guys. I can tell you the only time that I was really happy was probably when I was conducting experiments, when I was doing math problems, <laughs> when I was solving some really complex issues or when I was strategizing with very big people, uh, to accomplish something. Uh, so I guess my personality would be that I like to be part of the good collective. Um, and it made me sad that I was like, well, do I remember anything like that made me super happy? That makes me warm inside when I was a kid. Like, do I remember riding the bike and feeling so awesome because I could balance? Not really. Did I feel awesome when, you know, I first dove into the ocean and got the sea urchin shells. I used to collect those as a kid. I used to like dive and collect these colorful shells that sea urchins, um, shed. And then I would also catch the sea urchins, let them dry out on the beach. And then I would stab them with, um, you know, a pebble and open them up and eat them. Uni cheap too, right? It's fresh. It's right there. I just got it. Didn't have to pay 50 bucks at no booze to eat it. Um, so, uh, you know, that's one thing that we need to kind of take a little, you know, go, take a little back, like what makes you happy? Is it drinking? Is it eating? Is it being with friends? Is it sex? You know, Gwyneth Paltrow now is complaining that she has no sex drive and it's like, just light up one of your vagina scented candles, right? She made those to make people feel great. I guess it's not working for her. Or it could be that she's not getting what she needs, right? She's not getting what she needs. And a lot of people aren't getting what they need because the cartels are being strangulated. So today's show, we're going to talk about um, little bits and pieces of what's happening and kind of proving how what we've been talking about in the past and more short-term past rather than my projections that are two years down the line and everyone's like, why are you talking about that now, right? Remember, I had gotten so many emails from you guys saying, oh, you know, why are you talking about Venezuela? And I'm like, guys, don't you see it? Or the New Year's episode in 2019, why are you talking about China? Don't you see it? Uh, I told you this year is the year of the boomerang. This is when things happen. And this is where it all comes down to it. April showers for days and we are only on day three.
So how do we know that things are happening? Obviously with the, with the battle cry, but here's how I'm going to remind you that you weren't really listening to your president. Here is his weekly address, which would have been the 3rd of April today per se, uh, or yesterday, sorry, yesterday from 2018. He did this March 31st, 2018, so it would have been yesterday. Here, take a listen. Hello, Americans. Every day, an average of 116 Americans die from an opioid-related overdose. This is a national crisis that demands immediate action. That is why last week I traveled to New Hampshire to announce the steps my administration is taking to combat this deadly epidemic. Our plan has three major parts. Reducing drug demand by focusing on prevention so people don't get addicted in the first place. Reducing drug supply, including getting tough on traffickers and dealers. And when I say tough, I'm talking about really tough because it's the only language they understand. Increasing drug treatment to get life-saving help to those who really need it. But if our brave federal agents are going to be successful in stopping this deadly epidemic, then we must stop lawless sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities release thousands of dangerous criminal aliens into our communities, including drug traffickers, drug dealers, and vicious gang members. In fact, several of the criminal aliens who got away in Oakland after the mayor helped them evade capture have already committed new crimes, crimes that could have been easily prevented if not for Oakland's dangerous sanctuary policies. It is no coincidence that six of the biggest heroin markets in the United States are sanctuary cities. More than 40% of heroin coming across the southern border is transported through California, a sanctuary state. Drug cartels have transformed sanctuary cities like Denver, Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York into major distribution centers because the criminal aliens in the drug trade know that local politicians will help them evade authorities. Sanctuary cities put innocent Americans at the mercy of hardened criminals and heartless drug dealers. These are bad people. We want our cities to be safe havens for Americans, not criminal aliens. It is time for Congress to cut off funds for sanctuary cities and to close the loopholes that allow drugs and criminals to violate our borders. We are going to stop the flow of deadly drugs. We are going to get help to those who need it. And we are going to end the scourge of addiction in America. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. Funny how he called out all five cities that are currently getting uh, military aid. Still not convinced that he's been telling you this all along? Okay. Well, let's, let's listen to the address that will be very relevant. That was, um, wait, that was the 2018 one, wasn't it? Yes. This is the next one. This is the next weekly address. 2018 again. Take a listen. The federal government is charged with the sacred duties of protecting our nation, supporting our Constitution, and defending our borders. We also have to ensure the equal application of our laws in all 50 states. 
Last year, politicians in California violated the Constitution by nullifying federal law and declaring their state to be a sanctuary from federal immigration enforcement, a border-free zone where thousands of criminal aliens can roam free, a very, very dangerous situation, unacceptable to everyone. Their actions not only imperil the security of the people of California, but the security of the entire nation. California's sanctuary bill should be called the jailbreak bill, because that's exactly what it is. They force the release of dangerous criminal aliens from prisons and jails, including drug traffickers and dealers responsible for the deaths of countless Americans. It's gotten totally out of control. We can't allow it to go on. California's law also increases our vulnerability to terrorism by keeping life-saving information from federal authorities. The relationship is ridiculous. It forces law enforcement not to work together. Last week, the citizens of Orange County, California, bravely resisted the open borders politicians in Sacramento. The Orange County Board of Supervisors courageously voted to join the administration's lawsuit to stop these dangerous and unconstitutional actions. All across California and all over America, everyday citizens are taking a stand to protect their families, protect their borders, and protect their country. Every citizen has the right to be protected by federal law. And when politicians in California break those laws, they violate the constitutional rights of their citizens. My message to communities under siege from drugs and gangs and violence is, you can stop this, and you can stop it cold. Partner with the federal government so we can help to remove these threats from your communities and restore peace to our streets. I'm also calling on Congress to immediately close the deadly border security loopholes that endanger our country. All over our country, we're living with laws that don't work. Congress has to change them. Democrats in Congress are doing everything in their power to undermine immigration enforcement and encourage illegal immigration. Their policies are putting all of America at risk. It is so bad, it's hard to believe what they're doing and why they're doing it. We can't let it continue. The Democrats are not doing what's right for our country. I will not rest until we have secured our borders and restored the rule of law. We will win, and we will win soon. It's happening. Well, he told you that in uh, 2018. Are you curious to see what he was telling you in 2017? This is how we understand to listen. This is where he tells you what's really up. Again. My fellow Americans, it's an exciting time for our country. Our new administration has so much change underway, change that is going to strengthen our union and improve so many people's lives. In the next few days, the Senate will be taking a very important step one that will protect the rule of law and democratic way of life that is absolutely a birthright of all Americans. And it involves one of my most important actions as president. That was nominating Judge Neil Gorsuch to fill the seat of the late, great Justice Antonin Scalia. Judge Gorsuch is incredibly qualified. He has a sterling record 
He was confirmed unanimously to the Court of Appeals. But Judge Gorsuch's nomination is about more than his incredible qualifications. It's about preserving our republic. In their great wisdom, the founders placed legislative powers in its own separate branch of government. Elected representatives from all across the country come together, they host hearings, they listen to the concerns of the people, and then they try to write laws that address those concerns and make life better for all Americans. It's a process that is meant to take time and energy to ensure that every new law will better serve our wonderful citizens. That's how our democratic process works. The duty of judges, therefore, is not to rewrite the laws, but to uphold the laws and to apply the Constitution as written. That is the solemn duty of every justice on the Supreme Court. And this is what Judge Gorsuch will do. In recent years, we've seen more and more judges make decisions not based on the Constitution or the rule of law, but based on their preferences, their personal views, or even their political opinions. Each time a judge substitutes their own opinions for an unbiased reading of the law, they damage our democracy. They put their own will above the will of the people, and they undermine the legislative process that has always been the heartbeat of our democracy. The Senate will soon have the chance to help preserve our democratic institutions for our children by voting to confirm Judge Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. Judge Gorsuch is going to serve our people by devoting himself to our beloved Constitution. The Senate saw this firsthand in hours of Judge Gorsuch's impressive testimony. In every step of the process, what has been clear to all is that Judge Gorsuch is a man who respects the law. He defends the Constitution. And in so doing, he will protect our freedoms. With Judge Gorsuch on the Supreme Court, America will be a more free, fair, and just nation for all of our citizens. Thank you, and God bless you. So why did I play those for you? I wanted to remind you that all of this is coming to fruition very, very slowly. So let's listen to the next one. All of these. So we're back in 2017 now. We heard 2018 drugs, California, illegal migration, borders. Now we hear justice. Listen to the last one that pertains to My fellow Americans. We're only 11 weeks in, but already my administration has achieved historic progress for the American people. In fact, 93% of our domestic manufacturers have expressed optimism in the future, a record. The confidence we're seeing in our nation is about jobs and opportunity, but it's also about safety and security. Security begins at the border. As a candidate, I pledge to take swift and decisive action to secure the border and that is exactly what I've done. We inherited a full-fledged border crisis. It was a disaster. Yet, with quick and bold steps, we have so far exceeded even the most bullish predictions for the progress we could make in so short a period of time. Last month, we saw a 64 percent reduction in illegal immigration on our southern border. At the same time, we're conducting enforcement actions across the country to remove dangerous criminal aliens from our society, and they'll be gone. 
In just the last few days, our nation's ICE officers have arrested 153 criminal aliens in South Texas, 84 criminal aliens in the Pacific Northwest, and 31 criminal aliens in Long Island, New York. These arrests include aliens convicted of robbery, burglary, aggravated assault, sexual assault against a child, smuggling, drug dealing, and many more. Much work needs to be done to reverse decades of harm caused by open border policies from Washington. But with time, dedication, and effort, we will get the job done and save countless lives in the process. Providing security for the American people also means restoring America's standing in the world. From the very start of my presidency, I've worked to strengthen our alliances and improve our relationships all around the globe. This week, I was honored to welcome the President of Egypt and the King of Jordan to the White House. Now, I am hosting a summit with President Xi of China at the Southern White House to address the many critical issues affecting our two peoples. In our dealings with other nations, our conversations have been candid, open, and grounded in mutual respect. I have been clear about advocating for the national interests of the United States, something so important to me and so important to our people, one of the reasons, certainly, that I got elected. And I want to ensure that the decisions we make truly serve the safety and security of our citizens. In matters both economic and military, we understand that a strong America is in the best interests of the world. That is why it is so important that, as we strengthen international partnerships, we ensure these partnerships deliver real results for Americans and the American people. Our decisions will be guided by our values and our goals, and we will reject the path of inflexible ideology that too often leads to unintended consequences. A future of peace, safety, and prosperity, that is our guiding light and always will be. Together, we will bring about this future for the land we love and for the people who call it home. We love our country, and we love the American people. Thank you. Now, that was the president talking to you 2017-2018. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? How everything is coming around full circle from what he talked about. Jordan and Egypt, Tori, though, right? And President Xi, how are they involved? Well, that should be coming soon. Because those two nations, remember, it was Jordan, the king of Jordan, that kicked Pelosi out. I broke that story. He kicked her out when she went to find some middle ground. President Xi at that time agreed to fentanyl. What was it exactly that was being mailed over? Was it really just fentanyl? That's what you have to think about. So these are all things that are coming up. Coming up to the surface. Coming up to how things are happening. All rising up, kind of like poop always floats. <laughs> you know, the more I think about it, the more I... I realize just how mm, how we've been all sleepwalking. It's right there in front of us. It's been told to us. But none of us actually paid attention. See, we forget that there was... Okay. So 
you know what? I'm going to take a step back and we're going to revisit this because I'm going to show you how um, Nancy Pelosi had lied. Um, She had lied about traveling without authorization to North Korea. And this is going to be very important coming up soon. Um, And that has to do with the captain of the USS Theodore Roosevelt being fired. Now, listen, what he did, he did for his people, his crew. But there was another motive that we're not understanding yet. Yes, he skipped the chain of command. Yes, he dropped it to which one was it? Oh, I think it was a San Francisco Chronicle that published a letter first. Anyway, take a listen to what Fox had to say about that. Roosevelt's commanding officer has been relieved of duty by the Navy after raising alarm bells about a growing number of sailors sick with COVID-19 on his aircraft carrier. Our national security correspondent, Jennifer Griffin, is live from the Pentagon with more on this story. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning, Ed. Hours after the acting Navy secretary fired Captain Brett Crozier, hundreds of crew members gathered on the USS Roosevelt's hangar bay to give him a roaring send-off chanting his name. 114 sailors have now tested positive for COVID-19 on board the aircraft carrier. It appears the crew is ignoring guidelines to social distance to send a message of protest to top Navy brass for firing their skipper, who sounded alarm bells about the rising number of coronavirus cases on his ship, forced to, er- to arrive in Guam a week early. I did not come to this decision lightly. I have no doubt in my mind that Captain Crozier did what he thought was in the best interest of the safety and well-being of his crew. Unfortunately, it did the opposite. It unnecessarily raised alarms with the families of our sailors and Marines with no plan to address those concerns. On Sunday, Captain Crozier wrote a letter that leaked to his hometown newspaper, the San Francisco Chronicle. In the letter, Crozier is urging senior Navy leaders to offload most of the 5,000 sailors on board immediately to disinfect the ship, adding the spread of the disease is ongoing and accelerating. Quote, we are not at war. Sailors do not need to die. If we do not act now, we are failing to properly take care of our most trusted asset, our sailors. The acting Navy secretary said the Roosevelt captain had acted emotionally without discussing the letter with his immediate strike group commander, who was just down the hall on board the ship. Instead, the letter was sent over an unsecure, unclassified email system. Does this not have a chilling effect on other uh, Navy captains? What he did by doing, by doing this and not being careful with who that information went to, but it was copied to 20 or 30 other people, okay? Mm-hmm. That, that's just not acceptable. Um, he did not take care. And what that did is it created a panic on the, a little bit of a panic on the ship. Modley said he had no evidence the captain leaked the letter to his hometown newspaper, but suggested the Navy was already expediting help for the ship, including arranging 1,700 hotel rooms in Mm -hmm. Guam when the letter appeared in the newspaper Tuesday. 
So who leaked the letter to the newspaper? This is going to be fun because see, he's going to complain about being fired for it. And then they're going to have to subpoena the newspaper to find out how they got it. And boy, is this going to be fun. You know, leaking is no good. Leaking is no good, especially when you're trying to cause disruptions in, I don't know, your military and causing panic. I mean, but we've heard her lie many, 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 many times, right? Many times. Take a listen. Hold on. Let's fast forward this for a second. About her trip to North Korea. What a sad week for America. Mm. The passing of First Lady Barbara Bush. What a wonderful person. She is in our lives. She has been to our country. She brought dignity, civility, and spirit we all know that to everything she did. She loved America. She loved her family. We will miss her. The Bush family is in our prayers. Here in the Capitol, we've gone. Wednesday came, and why would we be here on Thursday and Friday to do the people's work? Uh, I guess the Republicans want to get out of town on tax in tax week. Uh, this year, tax day fell on April 17th uh, on Tuesday. Uh, last year on tax day, Americans turned out across the country uh, by the thousands to demand the president finally release his tax returns. Uh, and since then, of course, we have been fighting uh, the tax scam that the Republicans have put forward. Now Republicans are scrambling uh, to, um, as their deficit-exploding tax scam collapses in the eyes of hardworking Americans. The $2 trillion-plus deficit debt uh, created by the GOP tax scam giveaways are now uh, a threat to Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security disabilities benefits. As we saw, the tax scam adds, again, over $2 trillion to the deficit. While the Republicans were saying, oh, oh, pay for itself, we know that it doesn't. Just ask Bruce Bartlett, anyone who says that these tax cuts pay for themselves is it's not. It's nonsense, and it's BS. That's according to Bruce Bartlett, who's a trickle-down supply-side guy who worked with Jack Kemp on these issues. But the Republicans are now saying, well, we do have this debt now, so we have to – we gave a trillion and a half dollars to corporate America. We'll take a trillion from Medicaid to pay for that, a half a trillion from Medicare to pay for that. And to address the interest on the debt, we'll take a couple hundred – billion from uh, food stamps, a couple hundred uh, billion from uh, education. The list goes on. It's really a scandal. It's not a statement of her values as a budget uh, should be. And Republicans said, I call your attention to this poster, Republicans have said that workers would benefit from the tax scam, but fewer than 45, as you can see by the 45 of S&P 500 companies have even given one-time bonuses to their workers stunning. While the GOP gives tax breaks to Wall Street, big pharmaceutical companies, and corporations shipping jobs overseas, Republicans have written a partisan farm bill uh, that abandons America's farmers and hungry families. Our farmers and ranchers are, being are facing plummeting prices and dangerous uncertainty from the Trump administration's tariffs. But the GOP Farm Bill does nothing for the soybean, corn, wheat, citrus, and specialty crop growers who need real support. 
Republicans are moving to a uh, to kill good-paying rural jobs, weaken the farmers' safety net, and shift opportunities away from America's small towns with cuts to critical rural development and energy initiatives. You should pay attention to this farm bill. It's it's un- inexplicable. Hard to understand why they would do this, but. Under the GOP snap cuts, nutrition is a big part of the farm bill, you probably know. And under the GOP snap cuts, seniors, children, individuals with disabilities, our veterans, large numbers of our veterans, and hungry families will lose the means to put food on the table. With one provision alone, just one of the provisions alone, hundreds of thousands of school-age children, aged children will be kicked off free and reduced school lunch. And breath. The president is going to meet with Kim, Kim Jong Un. It's important to have preliminary meeting. That I think it's uh, very impressive numbers. That about 50 Republicans have signed on to it. 40 some, which is a large number, and we're very pleased. It's a good piece of work, which I'm proud to support, and I hope the speaker will not ignore. But Ryan was what, Ryan was addressing the, the, the but that, that's, I'm saying that Congress will work its will. The Republican members are speaking out to their uh, to their speaker. Um, it's no use us discussing what Mr. Ryan may do under whatever the circumstances. Uh, but I appreciate your question. I support their effort. I'm proud of it. I think it's uh, – I wish the Republicans would listen because there are even more people who would vote uh, for such a bill than have signed up on the letter. Yes, ma'am. Do you have any thoughts on um, Pompeo going to North Korea? And do you support – um, him as as the person to represent the U.S. in these talks with North Korea. Well, I, I'm always in favor of, as they say, jaw, 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 rather than war, war, war. Uh, so uh, if, if the president is going to meet with Kim, Kim Jong-un, it's important to have preliminary meetings. Uh, I hope that Pompeo would not be confirmed as Secretary of State. Okay. So you don't support... Or you don't support well, he has a different him. capacity now. Uh, but if you're asking me, should he then on Tuesday be confirmed as Secretary of State, or Monday, I guess, is when the vote's up, I don't support that, no. Yes, ma'am. Uh, thanks, uh, Madam Leader. Y- you've talked in the past um, on the issue of impeachment and where you think House Democrats could go. Could you just explain a little bit about how Democrats <laughs> are dealing with those in the party or in the base who are, are interested in this issue, especially some of the big donors, like Mr. Steyer, who is putting a lot of money into these ads and promoting this issue. How, mm-hmm. how do you balance that? I think that we have been very clear. Uh, it is important for us uh, to win this election so that we can meet the needs of the American people. Uh, whether or not the president should be impeached is a matter uh, that is being dealt with in the Justice Department. I don't know that they're talking about impeachment, but whether they have the facts in the law to make a determination of how they go forward. Uh, we don't have that information. This isn't a big – we don't sit around thinking about how we deal with our donors. We have our position and our responsibility here. We respect other people's uh, expressions of their concern. Uh, and many of my members uh, have 65 of them. That's not a third of our caucus, but it's a large number. Have, uh, uh, have supported uh, Mr. Green's amendment when it came to the floor. But really what we're talking about is how we 
strengthen the financial stability of America's working families, how we have a better deal, better jobs, better future, uh, better wages, lower costs to families, and that is what we are focusing on. And that's where we have our unity in the party. But Can you guys notice how nicely she's speaking, how she's not losing it, how long she's been speaking? She's not reading. She's answering. Here's where all the good stuff is coming. So just listen carefully. Because if you look at the past, you will understand the future that is to come. So in the next hour, we're going to be analyzing this. So for all of you out there driving, working, cleaning, doing whatever right now and just listening, just listen carefully to what she's saying. You saw impeachment. Oh, and by the way, for those of you that don't know, this is from April 19th, 2018. So about two years ago. But this is not a divisive issue in our caucus. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, I want to ask follow-up on the North Korea talks. Um, obviously, those are moving a little closer with the revelation of uh, Pompeo going over right. there. What's your confidence level or skepticism level of those talks right now, and what are realistic expectations you know, about a month, month and a half out from a possible meeting? What are realistic expectations? Well, let me just say that uh, as one of the few members of Congress who has been to Pyongyang, I did a number of years ago as a member of the Intelligence Committee. Uh Uh-oh, that's what I wanted you guys to hear. So she went to North Korea. She admitted that she went to North Korea as a member of the Intelligence Committee. So just let that percolate for a bit because that's going to be very important next week. She went to North Korea as an intelligence committee member a couple years ago. You want to hear it again? Let's take a listen to it again. Well, let me just say that uh, as one of the few members of Congress who has been to Pyongyang, I did a number of years ago as a member of the intelligence committee, uh, it's a frightening place. Uh, It's a a place that is, uh, when I've seen poverty throughout America, I mean, throughout the world, as an appropriator and visited the world to see our initiatives and how helpful they might be in the alleviation of poverty, the eradication of disease. When I went to North Korea, I saw a poverty of spirit that just was mind-boggling in, in many respects. And, and it's, 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 a, it's a difficult place. We were, our purpose then was to say, we want to talk about MIAs and POWs. Uh, we want you to stop uh, proliferating uh, selling your missile technology, issues like that, checking in on the hunger situation because their people were starving, even though their motto was self-reliance, they couldn't feed their own people. And um, so what they told us then, and so what's relevant to now is, they said, hey, we just sell these uh, uh, missile, this technology for money. You want to buy them? We'll sell them to you. And so what my guidance from there to the current situation is uh, the capability of the North Koreans to create either the technology for for a weapon, the uh, miniaturization of it, the capacity to launch it, and the intention to do so is something that we need to know as much about as possible. Wait, so she's saying she went there a couple years ago as part of the Intelligence Committee, right? And um, she was discussing buying weapons from North Korea for money. Okay. And that they were miniaturizing them. Okay. Just listen. This is very important for the next coming week. 
But in addition to that, they're proliferators. And this is what I keep saying to the administration. They are proliferators. So the danger is not just what they might do. The danger is who they might sell one element of that to, which might be enough to uh, endanger the world e even further. So uh, what, hopeful, any hopeful conversation, maybe uh, Kim Jong-un is ready to change. I wouldn't be too trustworthy of <coughs> it, but certainly open to it. And uh, what would be success if at least the communication were increased uh, and there could be some way to stop uh, what could follow if, if left undeterred North Korea would continue what it's doing, which is perhaps other countries having access to the the technology, the scientific know-how, the launch capacity, and dangerously, the intention. But on the subject of foreign policy, I'll come back to you. I just want to talk about Syria for a moment. Um, this week we got it, uh, well, the 15th it was sent, within 48 hours, the War Powers notification from the President. And we spent a good deal of time in our caucus yesterday discussing this. The President said in this notification, which isn't in the public domain, he said, I acted pursuant to my constitutional authority to conduct foreign relations and as commander-in-chief and chief executive and in the vital national security and foreign policy interest of the United States to promote the stability of the region, to deter the use and proliferation of chemical weapons, and to avert a worsening of the region's current humanitarian catastrophe. The United States, this is fraught with meaning, the United States will take additional action as necessary and appropriate to further its important national interest. This is what the president said. This is what her problem was. And this is where Nancy Pelosi didn't have any withdrawal symptoms. This is where Nancy Pelosi admitted that when she was part of the, the Permanent Select Intelligence Committee uh, in the House, that she had gone and they were negotiating weapons with Kim Jong-un. This tells you a lot you will need to know coming forward. It's all going to be coming to the surface, all of it. They can't stop what's coming because it's here. They can't stop it at all. They've, <laughs> they have no idea what is coming. See, the intelligence trip that the president took to North Korea, having Secretary Pompeo, who she didn't want, spearhead that, having President Pompeo now, you know, covering all of these things, right? You have to remember that... He was in all of this when she was in all of it. So this is what is important, that she had gone to North Korea. You have to ask yourself, while we're talking about Wuhan, while we're talking about Asia, how are these two things connected and what were they really discussing in North Korea? And it was just... It wasn't just weapons. It had to do with certain special powdered items and that linked all the way back to Wuhan. I'm just going to leave it like that. Right now, we're seeing a lot of news coming to the surface that we're going to be discussing in the next hour. This hour was simply to remind you 
what our president has been telling you during this specific time in the past years. And I needed to remind you about Pelosi. And you heard how lucid she sounded in 2018. What happened between then and now? All you have to do is think about that. It's, it's, you know, when we see, I want all of you to understand that when you think the president isn't in control, it's all fake. It is all fake. Because when you look wounded is when you lay there and let them come to feed. There's this, um, is it the possum that plays dead and then it <laughs> comes to life? I mean, the best tactic is to look the weakest. So right now, the only thing we have to make sure is our president is safely hydrated and that, you know, he listens to those uh, that require um, that. I don't say require um, that his ears that he has, not his specific one, but the other ears are listening to the right uh, areas because, you know, they're they're getting smart. They know Space Force is out. They know they're getting very, very smart. And you know what's funny? Now with the lockdown, they can't meet up at ball games. You remember how we caught Pelosi at that basketball game and how we're catching him at football games? And it's like, wait a minute, you go to sports games? How come this never was published ever, ever, ever? This is not just going on in the United States of America. It's worldwide, guys. It is worldwide. All we have to do is pay attention to what's going on in California, pay attention to what's going on in New York. I mean, Colorado... Illinois, you know, they're a little bit silent. Those two are the ones to watch. Remember, I told you that they can't get the numbers that they advertised, so maybe they might try to wing the numbers that they advertised. So just listen to your president. If you're not dying, stay home. You probably have COVID and no symptoms. Unlike Cuomo, which now is further reinforcing the notion that I have coronavirus is code for I'm under house arrest, which, by the way, Jake Tapper is also quarantined at home and no one's talking about that either, which is super bizarre. Uh, The only person we see out there is, um, you know, Brian Stetler talking, yapping. Hmm. It's it's pretty interesting. Very, very interesting. So. Now we have the cartels going down, so no money for the Democrats. The Democrats freaking out. We're asking for the money back. We're asking for the money back from the Kennedy Center, which is is super awesome. And we're seeing some Oscar-winning, trying Oscar-winning performances from Cuomo. Take a listen. Welcome to prime time. I'm doing the show, as you know, in my basement in COVID containment. And I'm gonna share some insights that I've learned into what this virus is like um, in terms of fighting it. But the most important point for us to discuss tonight is that it is crazy that anything less than 100% of this country is under a stay home order. Are we really just gonna wait for one community after the other to fall the same way, just keep repeating the same mistakes? You do not need 102 fever to get hot about what we learned today. Our death toll has doubled in just three days time. This is the best and only chance we have to mitigate the effects of the virus. Are you listening to the background music? It's like they, they're making a movie. This is what, the, I, you know, I got so much flack for saying, yo, this COVID is a hoax. And I'm not saying that it's a hoax hoax. It exists. 
it's it's pretty lethal, but it's very specific. And I said that. And if you're um, if you have uh, a compromised immune system like myself, or already have one foot in the grave, and you're kind of you know underlying illness, or you're really old, you're going to be more compromised, just like you are to the flu. But it's not this bad. But listen to the drama. Not mitigate the political fallout in red states. There is only one choice: self isolation. All of us together as ever as one let's get after it <laughs> he's like all of us should just isolate we shouldn't touch each other we shouldn't talk to each other because this way you can't see you can't hear you can't talk you can't mitigate that's their plan Mm-hmm. that's your plan what that you're stuck on house arrest so you want everybody else to be stuck on house arrest no man our president is a pro surfer right now, riding that exponential fake wave that they've put out on, you know, these boards. And he is toppling everything down. You know what? When you see him weak like that, that's where it is. And I told you, he's parading around the clowns. B P F. The three stooges. They're owning this coronavirus. Hmm. Got a lot of flack when I said Pence ain't going to be president. I thought I'd throw out my southern accent right there. Because I don't think he is. And this is how you fix clowns. You let them pull their own pants down slowly but surely. But, you know, I'm just me saying this. And, well, you know, we'll be here in a little while. Because apparently I was wrong about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Or, you know, maybe an alternative timeline. I don't think so. I just think you're, we're not seeing the whole picture. There we go. So SCOTUS gate is starting to swing out and we're going to talk about the four steps the Democrats took, but there's no step five. See you right after this break. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tory. So this is the second hour of the Tory Sess Show, and we're going to start with my beloved. I may have a, a you know a cerebral crush on this man, but he puts things so nicely. So I have to put it out there. We're going to start with Tucker because he's going to lay the groundwork for what's coming, and he's going to lay out the four steps. The four steps that. The New York Times coronavirus challenge <laughs> has done. Just listen to him. It's perfect. But there's no step five. Well, the New York Times, in case you don't read it, still being published, still out of New York, ran a piece the other day with this headline, Alarm, Denial, Blame, the Pro-Trump Media's Coronavirus Distortion. They hit the same themes. In the telling of the New York Times, coronavirus coverage on this show and elsewhere followed a certain pattern. The pattern, they told us, went this way. Step one. Blame China. According to the New York Times, quote, when the virus ravaged China, some pundits on the right warned that the country couldn't be trusted to contain the outbreak or share accurate information about where it originated. <laughs> Can you believe they thought that? Where'd they get that idea? Because it's true. But the New York Times doesn't admit that. 
Then step two, playing down the risks, followed by step three, share survivor stories to show the virus wasn't so bad. And finally, step four, blame the left. Now, as you're aware from watching this program and from living in this country, whatever these people accuse you of doing is 100% of the time exactly what they're doing themselves. And that, of course, was the case here. As you know, the establishment press has been screwing up coronavirus stories from day one. So there are four steps to understanding their coverage, and here's what they are. The first step, as usual, blame racism. Here are two New York Times headlines from the early days of the outbreak. Quote, an outbreak of racist sentiment as coronavirus reaches Australia. In other words, people's bad opinions are worse than a pandemic. Hmm. Here's another. In Europe, fear spreads faster than the coronavirus itself. Okay. So then, as the virus kept spreading, there was step two, play down the risks, which the New York Times assiduously did. On January 29th, the paper warned you to, quote, beware the pandemic panic. Calm down, ladies and gentlemen. A week later, they asked, who says it's not safe to travel to China? Book a ticket to Wuhan, racist. Somehow, telling the public the coronavirus was no big deal didn't, in the end, contain the virus. So the Times went to step three, politicize the crisis. Calling the coronavirus the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus is bigotry, the paper will tell you. But they had no problem on February 26th publishing an op-ed saying, quote, let's call it Trump virus. And then last week, in a shameful moment that will live forever in infamy, the paper declared, and I'm quoting, the road to coronavirus hell was paved by evangelicals. Yeah, that's right. A pandemic that emerged from an atheist country is really the fault of Christians, says The New York Times. That tells you a lot about where they are. And now this week, the paper has settled on its favorite step. Step four, blame Fox News. Of course, because there's a political strategy here. Last week, they warned about, quote, Fox's fake news contagion. Then there was yesterday's article. (laughs) Talk about a lie. This show is telling you about the dangers of this disease way back in January when the Times was still wondering if it was racist to even know it existed and encouraging you to travel to Wuhan on vacation. Now... We're highlighting the continued dishonesty and malevolence of China. Meanwhile, the New York Times and the star reporter Donald McNeil is going over to MSNBC to deliver unpaid infomercials for the Chinese Communist Party. Watch this. In China, there are 40,000 doctors, nurses and respiratory technicians went from all over China to Wuhan and helped the Wuhan doctors fight the virus. There's no more virus in Wuhan. Those doctors have all gone home. There have been victory parades for them, gratitude, flowers, and everything. They're heroes. They not only have the skills, a lot of them caught the virus and are now immune. So they can do a lot of things that would be dangerous for somebody who hasn't got the virus to do. I don't see why we couldn't hire for our pandemic a lot of those doctors, nurses, respiratory technicians. <laughs> so... If you're Donald McNeil's editor and you're watching this, aren't you calling his, you know, his supervisor saying, bring McNeil in. He's he's giving away the, the truth. <laughs> what a shill. Bring in Chinese doctors to run our hospital. That's his take. It's not surprising, though. Apparently, Chinese doctors already run The New York Times. Well, the new unemployment figures are horrifying. They're the largest in American history, almost by an order of magnitude. In two weeks, 10 million people have lost their jobs. Even more jobs will be lost soon. And they have, and this is where it is. That was step five, the unemployment. And they're high, they're exponential, they're insane, really, right? But their ability to use that to attack the president is exactly what 
their strategy is. This is why Pelosi is creating this bipartisan select committee that she put in the bill that I told you about, that I screamed about. That's why I was saying veto, 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 veto. Why? Because she slipped it in there. And here she is, not sounding very sound, telling you about it. The reason I announced this committee, this House Select Committee to address the coronavirus crisis uh, is so that we can, in the here and now, address as we go forward with transparency and accountability. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi launching an oversight committee with subpoena power to oversee the Trump administration's response to COVID-19. Here's reaction is House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who joins us from Capitol Hill. Um, leader, uh, is before we hear him, can you guys remember how we talked about this? How I said the biggest problem in that bill isn't about the stupid money they're handing out. I said, not the stupid money they're handing out, not the stupid raises they're getting, but the concern that she created this select committee with unbelievable subpoena powers. I mean, the proof is there. I talked about it on air and everything is archived. So think. Hmm. Did we let them play their plan out or did they make sure that the ears of the president were deaf? to that notion. That's a question that you can only see unfold because the one thing about our president is that he's extremely intelligent and is always a few steps ahead. And for me, I told you the reality line is uh, pretty bifurcated right now on which way this is going to go. So, you know, as long as he's safely hydrated, uh, we should be fine. Isn't that what Congress is supposed to do? Aren't they supposed to provide oversight to the administration? Yes, and we're already providing that. Think for one moment. You have the Oversight Committee, that that's all they focus upon. But in the last bill that we just passed, the CARES Act, we created three new oversight entities, right? We created the Pandemic Oversight that is a setup of Inspector Generals. Glenn Fine is running that. We created a special um, individual who will be appointed by the President, confirmed by the Senate. And then we actually created a Congressional Oversight that is appointed by all the leaders from Schumer to McConnell to Pelosi and myself. Um, this is redundant, but what's most telling here is who she appointed. She didn't go with the oversight committee chair, her own. She appointed Clyburn. And remember what Clyburn said, that her majority whip. He said this is a time to restructure into their vision, government. Um, this isn't about oversight. It sounds like pure politics. Really, we, this speaker should be focused on what we need to deliver to the American public. Let's take care of the crisis of, at hand right now. We have five different oversights already looking at this, and this is what she comes up with. We need to implement the trillions of dollars that we just said that we passed. Let's get it to small business. Let's get people continuing to work. Let's make sure we get that $140 billion out to the hospitals who actually need it, the, our modern-day soldiers in the medical community. Yeah. You know, uh, it sounds like there are a number of Democrats, including uh, Speaker Pelosi, who's already talking about phase four. We've just barely gotten phase three started right now. But when you listen to some of her um, some of her agenda items regarding phase four, it does sound like it's a lot of what the Democrats proposed in January. The only difference is now they've added some money for hospitals and community clinics. Right. 
What she's proposing is the things that she was denied in the last bill, things that had nothing to do with coronavirus, uh, the Green New Deal, changing election law, bailing out states on pensions that has spent incorrectly, uh, providing more money to cities, everything that doesn't deal with um, the coronavirus, Planned Parenthood. These are the things that why she held this bill up for more than four days. I mean, this would already be implemented today. We'd be talking about how we're getting the money out had she not held the bill up earlier. You know, um, since... Uh, phase three is now underway, and it sounds like some people are going to wind up getting checks uh, as early as next week. Uh, as a former small business owner yourself, you know, I think you started a business when you were about 20 years old. How important is it for people who are finding these times so challenging with their small business that they get on the website and start the process of getting the money that is out there for them today? This is the most important thing to do. This bill does a number of things, but what it does with small business is very important. And if you're a sole proprietor, um, you're a small business, where I was when I was 20 years old, government has shut you down to most of those small businesses, so you have no income. We want to provide you liquidity. It's only a two-page form that you have to fill out. It's out there. uh, You can go to my Twitter page. I'll have it up there, GOP Leader, to be able to send it to you. But what it will do is, if you pay your employees, you pay your rent, you pay your utilities, that's no longer a loan. A portion of that is a grant. We want to keep people working. We want to supply you the resource. If you're a larger business, we'll secure a loan, give you a a retention tax credit to pay for half of your employees. Individuals will get a check directly to them if they're making $99,000 or less, and the hospitals get resources. That's what the CARES Act did, and that's what we should be focused on making sure we're implementing instead of looking at some other bill or some other oversight, because we just instituted three new oversight committees to oversee this. Right. Speaking of oversight, uh, Speaker Pelosi's spokesman said regarding the oversight committee, quote, this bipartisan committee's work will help save lives and taxpayer dollars in real time, not after it's too late to make a difference. And that's something everyone should welcome. Your response to that? Well, that's just not true. I mean, has she not learned from uh, the impeachment? And maybe that's what she's thinking about here. You cannot create a new select committee without Congress voting. I'm here because I'm meeting with the president today, but nobody else is here in Washington. When would we come back and vote on this? It would be too late. That's why in the CARES Act, we implemented three new oversight entities within there that she has an appointment to. But we already have the oversight committee only to focus on this. And we also have every single committee has an oversight sub committee. It seems to me that this is just politics as usual, instead of focused on the crisis that we need to be today, delivering for the American public, making sure we're getting the resources to them. Ah, you mean like the smackdown that President Trump issued uh, to Schumer yesterday, which was incredible. I mean, he could have, you know, when I started reading that letter to him, I, you know what song was playing in my head? Pretty awesome one. You know, maybe I should play it, actually. Um, yeah, I should. But this song was playing in the background in my head uh, because it was like so good. So good. It was so amazing because he pointed out what the problem was. You know, that is incredible. It's It's like... Yep, there you go, President Trump. You did it. You did it. Yo, what up? This Juan Clef with Mary J. Serenade the girls with my acoustic guitars. You know what I'm saying? Yo, 
fellas having problems with the chicks I want you right now to turn the lights down low Pull your girl up next to you I want you to sing these words If Jeff comes for me tonight, girl I want you to know that I love you And no matter how tough I would appear Only to you I would reveal my tears Tell the police I ain't home tonight Resting around with you is gonna give me life But when I look into your eyes Man, you worth that sacrifice If this is the kind of love that my mom used to warn me about I'm in trouble I'm in real big trouble If this is the kind of love that the old folks used to warn me about Man, I'm in trouble I'm in real big trouble I need y'all to do me a favor Someone please call 911 Pick up the phone, yo Tell them I just been shot down In the bullets in my heart That song was playing in my head while I was reading, Dear Senator Schumer, thank you for your Democrat public relations letter and incorrect sound bites, which are wrong in every way. Number one, as you are aware, Vice President Pence is in charge of the task force. By almost all accounts, he's done a spectacular job. Number two, the Defense Production Act, DPA, has been consistently used by my team and me for the purchase of billions of dollars worth of equipment, medical supplies, ventilators, and other related items. It has been a Powerful leverage, so powerful that companies generally do whatever we are asking without even a formal notice. They know something is coming and that's all they need to know. Huh? Number three, a senior military officer, air quotes, is in charge of purchasing, distributing, etc., His name is Rear Admiral John Bloswick. He is working 24 hours a day and is highly respected by everyone. If you remember, my team gave you this information, but for public relations purposes, you choose to ignore it. Number four, we have given New York many things and many chances, by the way, that's me saying that, including hospitals, medical centers, medical supplies, record numbers of ventilators, and more. You should have had New York much better prepared than you did. And as Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burke said yesterday, New York was very late in its fight against the virus. As you are aware, the federal government is merely a backup for state governments. Unfortunately, your state needed far more backup than most others. If you spent less time on your ridiculous impeachment hoax, which went haplessly on forever and ended up going nowhere, except increasing my poll numbers, and instead um, and instead focused on helping the people of New York, then New York would not have been so completely unprepared for the invisible enemy. 
No wonder AOC and others are thinking about running against you in the primary. If they did, they would likely win. Fortunately, we've been working with your state and city governments, Governor Andrew Cuomo and Mayor Bill de Blasio, to get the job done. You've been missing in action, except when it comes to the press. While you have stated that you don't like Andrew Cuomo, you ought to start working alongside him for the good of all New Yorkers. I've known you for many years, but I never knew how bad a senator you are for the state of New York until I became president. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call. Or in the, alter- in the alternative, call Admiral Pulaski. Okay, guys, that was call 911. He was so burned. You could have called any fire department. This guy was toast. It was done. And you know why it's super toast? Because this is part of presidential archives. This will be embedded throughout history as an official document, official. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to say that on air. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. Officially. Now. Our new DNI that will be there soon had a lot to say in regards to investigations. I want you to take a listen to what he had to say a few months ago. Take a listen. Now, we have long uh, had you know, real concerns about what was happening overseas. And so you can start with, and you're, all your listeners know, and I want to thank you, you know, to all your listeners, all the people you put that are out there on Twitter um, it, it really made, in the, in the grand scheme of things, a big difference because it really helped out our investigation. And I'm, you know, we'll probably talk about that a little later. But I want to—I really do want to thank a lot of your listeners and Twitter followers because, you know, they would dig stuff up and we'd say, "Oh, we didn't think of that," uh, yeah. and it would help us to to, to go out and, and look at uh, different items. And you know, as, as you know, there's people all over the globe that helped helped aid this. People all over the globe that helped aid this. Who are these people? Digital soldiers like you. The person on Twitter tweeting out little fun bits. That's who they look at. You know, not to say anything, but all of you have your finger on the pulse once you understand what's going on. So uh, this morning I went like on a little Twitter thread where I was talking about something. Let me tell you a story. (laughs) I love stories. So when I was um, taking a genetics, um, a genetics class uh, in, in, in one of my spring terms, I left and went to Wisconsin. And the reason I went there was because I needed to learn more about epigenetic crosstalk. And so I went there. It was free, so I had to pay for it. And it was really hard, you know, with two kids at home and having to take hiatus from work. Um, You know, I was highly dependent on someone that I believe that I could trust, but whatever. Long story on that one. Anyway, so I worked for this lab for two weeks, and I wanted to see what that lab was doing. And Xi Jinping, Pei Sheng Jing, sounds the same, right? Um. So this lab is called the Paysur Laboratory. I went there to find out specific things. And the specific things that I wanted to learn was how, uh, you know, we have antibody regeneration and how a T-cell response is done uh, uh, to to HIV, right, which is a version of HIV. Uh, And specifically that that is involved in people that are diabetic. The reason is, is because... uh, creating and expressing human insulin genes um, was the way it was um, 
tested. Let's just put it this way. So crosstalk um, between. Um, okay, so let me let me let me make this more simpler because I don't want to get into the more technical. Okay, so. I had told you about the time that I went to the Craig Ventner Institute. Craig Ventner, the dropout from high school that ended up being part of the Human Genome Project. Super genius. Okay. What he did was he took the most simplest bacterium and knocked out all the genes that would be responsible for it to be virulent. That is for that bacterium to cause disease or inflammation or whatever, right? He took them out. So he just had it bare bones to the point where that bacterium, the only thing it does is exist. It metabolizes. Well, that was fine and dandy in a closed environment, but in an open environment, there's something called crosstalk. And this crosstalk in a open environment, meaning out in nature, right? Natural, like no controlled air, temperature, everything, just natural. And so when placed in a host or out in the environment, believe it or not, even though those genes were knocked out, they just manifested once again, but without manifesting with something called crosstalk. And so that's what people want to say is um, human genetic polymorphism and, uh, you know, on macro satellite uh, variations. So this laboratory, just so you know, is very specific, highly specific. In fact, they focus on evolution of recombination genetics, evolution of um, all life forms, uh, population genomics, you know, uh, you know, how many people do we need to get rid of to live more comfortably? Uh, things like that. Uh, how we can change the way we look through evolution. Lots of grand experiments all happening in Wisconsin, by the way. And so the reason I bring this up is because the stepchild of the persons that own the PASUR laboratory, which, by the way, work really, really closely with uh, UC Davis and others, um, you know, has a very interesting history. His name is Gauss. Uh, he looks at some really, really um, specific patents. Oh, has been looking at very specific patents for a very, very long time. One specific one popped yesterday, uh, which I got in the email, and that is the process of preparing adrenochrome by Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company. Pretty bizarre, pretty interesting, if you ask me, how they had determined back in 1982, a processed oxidized adrenaline or a salt thereof with pure sulfate in an aqueous medium at a pH in the range of four to eight in the presence of one or more water soluble salts of bismuth. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Adrenochrome is, and we've talked about this before, another form of adrenaline, epinephrine, norepinephrine. It's, it is a interchangeable molecule depending on how uh, and in what medium it's put. So to oxidize it, you need to have it exposed to oxygen, right? Now, you'll be very surprised of these amazing beauty treatments. You know how they came up with lipotropic injections? Yeah, you come and get all these vitamins injected in you and you get thin. Well, what about the injections that make you stay young? Huh. Kind of the ones that Gwyneth Paltrow used to do before she went on lockdown. I'll see you all after this break and we'll talk about that.
All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. So I had to put out the advertisements that I believe in, which is I love my president, I love my general, and uh, my best friend, Laura Loomer, is running for Congress. And we need more people like that in Congress. And obviously... Plug my subscribe star. Thank you, everyone, for that feedback on the latest one. I finally fixed it. I was still waiting for people to say, yeah, I see it. But I guess maybe you guys were so busy just listening to it. You just kind of like flew over it. But thank you. There's more coming. Um, Someone has been generous enough to help me out with my computer issue. So uh, we're going to have some really dope stuff coming out soon. Um, All right. So let's get back to what I was talking about. So... Everybody, when we look at something, we want to target the person that signs for it, pays for it, but it's always the guy that investigates it when it comes to pharmaceutical remedies, patents, injections, whatever. And what's interesting is, is that that is where you can follow the rabbit back to the hole. And that's where you can see where it's going. Kind of like I said, hey, Why are we looking at the people selling stock? They're just making money now. And if their portfolio managers were smart, they'd be selling. But the point is where, who's buying? So the point in this is not the fact that Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing has like this insane patent that just popped last night um, at 11.59 p.m. It expired, well, midnight. It expired. It's like, so odd. It expired now while everyone's hungry. The drugs at the border and the drugs that we're seizing in the Caribbean aren't just cocaine and heroin. You know, fentanyl was not just fentanyl. Remember how they said it was laced with something that was so potent it could kill you like one little dose? Think, come on, guys. We know the answer. We're just not saying it. Um, But the thing is, hmm, why ask questions we already know the answer to? Because the minute you decide you will think for yourself, right, that you will decide what you listen to, how you listen to it, what you, it's all up to you. You decide from yourself to be objective. You decide for yourself to draw conclusions. You decide for yourself. How many times have I said this? I feel like a broken record sometimes, right? Follow to open the facts. Just that's it. Be open to follow the facts. That's it. Nothing else. The actual facts. And you know what? And when your facts are your facts and you've decided to follow the facts, the minute someone comes and blows at you, oh, that's not fact. Take your facts and smack them with it and say, oh, you don't think they're real facts? That's okay. That's on me. They'll laugh at you, right? They'll ridicule you, right? And that's because they can't control you at that point. So you stand true to what you find true for you. Do not listen to other people. Do not pay attention to what other people think of you. Because the choice and what you see is yours. It's subjective to you, right? It is completely subjective to you. No one can tell you how to think. Don't let anyone tell you how to think ever. Not even if, if I ever sound like I'm telling you how to think, I, I'm the only thing that I'm really telling you how to do is how to think independently. There we go. Don't listen to anyone except, uh, don't let anyone, even the present, nobody can change your mind on how you think, but who you listen to and who you get your information to is very important 
because you also have to see who is being controlled by what interests. And someone might say, you have interests. I actually don't. You and me are equals. Um, I don't have interests. The only interest I have is putting out the facts and completing my mission. That's basically it. And that's all. I want to make sure that the future that my daughters are in and will be serving this country in that capacity in is the right one, not the one that I was serving under, not the one that I was taking orders from. I want them to have a government that believes in the innate right to freedom, that believes in the innate right to thought, and that believes in the foundations of this nation. And we finally have a leader in office that does just that. Just that, which is pretty incredible. Now, I retweeted the Department of State telling all Americans around the world that they should be coming home now. So if you have friends that are living overseas, uh, it would be good to bring them on. Um, I just wanted uh, to quickly jump into this live feed that just happened with um, General Todd uh, Semonite speaking to reporters about COVID-19. Take a listen. Oops. Back in. So I think that's the, the main thought that we wanted to try to convey. I was here, I think, last Friday afternoon, and you asked me how many requests for site assessments have we actually uh, received? And the number was 114 last Friday afternoon. Today's number is 750 requests for site assessments. And we've actually completed 673. And I want to reassure every community, whether a large city or a small town, if your mayor or your governor needs to be able to have the Corps of Engineers come in to be able to do an assessment of a site, we have the depth and the capacity to be able to do that. So we are not resource constrained right now. We want to stay ahead of this. And the reason we want to do the site assessment is we might get a building nominated to say this would be a great facility, but if we go into the mechanical room and it has a hard time producing enough heat or we have a, some type of a hazardous issue in there, the last thing we want to do is to inherit a building that's got problems. So we're trying to kind of put our uh, approval on it, first of all, before we do a lot of investments back in there. I want to show you just a couple products, and we're going to continue to post these to our website uh, at a relatively consistent time. I think we're going to do this uh, around 11 o'clock every morning. The first one I want to show you is what we would call an infographic, and it is the Corps of Engineers. And again, I want to reiterate, we're working, we're obviously a DOD capability, but we are working under FEMA mission assignments. And I'm certainly not going to go through this, but this talks about how many different stadiums, how many different COVID beds we're going to have. And I'm going to. Okay. So because none of you can see this, I just wanted to tell you, and I wanted to announce this um, because this is where we're going to be seeing. This is day, this is day 20 of response. Okay. What he said was up until like, even before this graphic was put together, because the graphic is showing a different number, there were 750 site um, assessment requests. What does that mean? That cities and towns, um, big and small are requesting for their city to be surveyed to find a good location, right? That would function as an alternative care facility um, for COVID-19 infected patients. So that would mean school dormitories, college dorms, and hotels. Something that I said, why aren't the universities doing this, blah, blah, blah. And like you said, we'll come in. We have no restraints on money. You give us a phone call, 
we'll be there in like five minutes and we'll check it out. But we're going to check out the building and make sure that you're not going to make us pay for some building's shoddy thing. We're going to assess, oh, we think this building is perfect. So this is what is going on. You have to ask yourself, wait a minute, why are they going in for alternative care facility units for COVID-19 infected patients? Think. If the scale of death we've seen till now is even less than our daily rate of average deaths, but they expect it to somehow increase now, who's really going to be housed in these places and how are they assessing this? These are questions you need to ask yourself over the weekend while things happen this weekend. Because we are the news now and we get our news from what we see boots on the ground, eyes everywhere. We need to battle fake news. We need to contest fake news. We need to put them in their place. Fake news. The Obama administration, the Obama Biden administration was one of the most corrupt administrations in history. And yet, for some reason, people find it to be one of the most uh, mellow, which makes absolutely no sense. People are concerned as to how COVID, non-COVID patients aren't in a great mass anymore to hospitals because this is being shown by the U.S. Uh, Navy's boats, Mercy and Comfort the questions. These are all questions you should think of. Today... 19,700 National Guard members from all 54 states, territories, and the District of Columbia continue to fight the spread of COVID with federal and state partners. Now, while we're all locked in our houses, what do we do? Uh, We drink some wine. We drink some beer. People fight. They do drugs. You're smoking a lot of weed to play video games, right? That's what people do. And, um, this is something that, that brings fear to the administration because what if you have one of those batches? What if things are coming up and people aren't looking, for example, yesterday, late in the evening, Our president tweeted, we hit 3M hard today after seeing what they were doing with their masks. P act all the way. Big surprise to many in government as to what they were doing will have a big price to pay. (laughs) You mean Minnesota mining and manufacturing? Oh, he tweeted that out just about an hour before you know, a couple of hours before the patent popped. And I thought I'd keep that because I've been telling you guys of adrenochrome. I've been telling you about this for a very long time. And I've also been telling you about the fact that children and humans that are being trafficked are not just for sex slavery, right? You're, and I know a lot of you are probably nodding right now. Yep, you said it. It was experiments. These experiments are atrocious. And aside from being crimes against humanity on a global scale and everyone would love to br- to blame George Soros everyone would love to bra- to blame Hillary Clinton everyone would love to blame all of them all the people we see 
It is those, this invisible enemy that you don't see that is to blame for everything. The people that have more money than anyone and money because they own the printing machines. And now the United States has taken that printing machine that they invested in and they have waged war. I, I don't, I, I even believe that the, that the changes that we've seen in these insane Democrats, you know, how they're all senile and growing old and we're losing it for a bit. Sometimes they get their fix and they're better is because they were being punished too. I mean, we see a lot of Hillary Clinton's tweets, but where is Hillary Clinton? Where is Owen Brennan? Where is James Comey? Where are they? Where is Barack Hussein Obama who's tweeting? Where's Michael Obama? Where are their kids? Where are they? Come on, America. We're boots on the ground. Where are they? Have you seen them? Flesh and blood. Have you seen them? Jake Tapper's in a basement, but no one's telling you he's on lockdown and in isolation. Where are they? Where are all these creepy losers that are telling us what we should be thinking? Where are all these disgusting people right now? Aside from being on Instagram and Twitter telling you that they have sexual, you know, drive drops. Dude, you're like a hundred, Gwyneth Paltrow. You made a candle that smells like your vagina for sale as if someone would buy it. And you're sitting there looking old, like day and night because you're hungry. Lindsay Lohan out there trying to kidnap kids with her really bootleg Arabic. They're all educating you how you should be. They're all telling you how you should act. But in the end, look at the way they're acting. Alyssa Milano, have you seen how she looks? Huh? Have you seen who she was promoting? Huh? Those are the things that we should all be looking at. The facts. And the facts that we're getting from our president, that's it you need to know. That is all we have to know. Is what is our president telling us? That's what we need to listen to. There are a lot of people also on the internet right now trying to garner information. Please send emails to disaster at leo.gov. If anyone comes to you saying that, you know, you can pay us and we'll give you like help with, um, you know, the coronavirus or anything like that. It is really, really important. Don't click on links you don't know. Um, make sure you report everything. It is really important uh, to do that. And for those of you that may be drug users or know someone that is a drug user, uh, please ensure that you keep them safe by advising them uh, not to use any new, uh, not to go buy some. I mean, they've just, they can't because this is going to go into full flight. They need their numbers to match the panic. And that's the concern. It is okay that our federal government is taking note and creating and implementing these installations because they're going to be used for something else anyway, right? But we need to be able to show that these leaders that scolded us for not making this a bigger deal, that said that these people are the people we should trust in regards to medicine and how 
the president isn't doing enough. He's doing more than enough. So can you blame him if it turns out that it wasn't what it was? No, you can't. And I don't even think they're even going to tell you ever. Like I said, this is all about rounding up their banks. You can't disable someone without disabling their money. And that's the key. We need to get a hold of all their money. And that's what we're doing. And they can't stand it because they have no money. This is why they tried to swindle money from you, the taxpayer, with their sad bill. That's basically it. Unemployment is really, really bad right now. We have no money. We're all there. I'm there with you. You're not alone. And anyone that's sitting there preaching from a high chair, I get upset. You know, when I see them, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, it's really hard. And how do you know it's hard? Are you there? Are you in the trenches? Because I I know a lot of you that are sending me emails and texts. And it's just like, I, I, I know you're preaching to the choir. But the economy is going to look very different. The United States is going to be very different after this. And it's not going to be bad. The bill they passed was rubbish for both small businesses and people. What's the point of this $1,200 later? I don't need a later. I needed that yesterday, right? Or the day before yesterday when rent was due, right? That's the way it is. How are these small businesses going to get these loans? They're already in debt because they've been shut down for two weeks. And now it's going to take another two, three weeks to get things done. Oh, the Bank of America, right? Huh. We could talk about Bank of America later. That'll come in 2021, according to plan. So, so what is it? The media mob, just like Sean Hannity said, wants to censor the White House daily. Listen to this nugget he gave, and I'm thinking he might be having dinner with the president again because he dropped a little nugget. Can you pick this up? Because I'm going to play this for you. I want you to tell me if you picked up the little nugget that um, Sean Hannity dropped last night. Here we go. Distributed now nationwide. It is going to the areas that need it most. The federal government has also devoted a tremendous amount of resources to the state of California. L.A. is now facing a crisis of its own as the city Skid Row has now confirmed their first case of coronavirus. This is a huge potential problem out in California as officials rightly worrying that that virus could rip through L.A.'s enormous homeless population. I lived in Southern California for five years. It's very large population. Meanwhile, with vital medical equipment running low nationwide, the FBI, look at this. They seized nearly 200,000 N95 masks, 598,000 medical grade gloves, 130,000 surgical masks from people hoarding the supplies. Now, sadly, Small percentage, we see the worst in people. This comes as the very first wave of N95 mask imports from all over the world is finally reaching the U.S. Now, these are the first major shipments since February. And this, by the way, brings us to facts that should concern every America tonight. You need to know it to protect yourself and your family. Multiple breaking news reports on many fronts. Tonight, the very first time, we now see more than a thousand Americans have lost their lives to this pandemic in one 24-hour span. So far, close to 6,000 Americans have passed away from this virus. That includes over 2,000 New Yorkers. And we have to stop. Imagine how much worse this would have been 
If we didn't have the travel ban 10 days after the first known case in the United States and the following quarantine and subsequent travel bans. Today, the Pentagon confirmed they are looking to purchase 100,000 body bags. The CDC is now reporting that those infected with coronavirus can spread the illness for one to three days before showing any symptoms. I was talking about this very early. I have that on Hannity.com if you want to see it. And one preliminary study found that the virus has the potential to travel through the air. Well, Dr. Oz will weigh in on that tonight and part of our medical information for your family. And another study found a small group of coronavirus patients exhibiting neurological symptoms. Fallout from the virus is now delivering a serious blow to the economy as well. Predictable, still hard to hear. Last week, 6.6 million Americans filed for unemployment. All-time record. Over the past two weeks, more than 10 million Americans have filed for unemployment. It's not surprising, but it's hard. Not every industry is struggling, however. Alcohol sales went up by 50%. I don't blame any of you. Uh, now let's get to the good news tonight. Some hope that brings us hope. And that is a lot to cover there. In a time of crisis, it is amazing because you see the best of America, which is the overwhelming majority of Americans, shining through brighter than ever. Doctors, nurses, scientists, researchers, medical professionals, janitors in hospitals, everyone in the medical field, heroic work. They deserve our thanks tonight and the supplies they so desperately need. To that end, we have New England Patriots owner, our friend Robert Kraft. He just used the team plane to import 1.2 million N95 masks from China to the United States. Arnold Schwarzenegger, well, he deserves to be congratulated tonight. One million dollars in masks and other gear to hospital workers. You know the TV show The Mass Singer? Well, and Fox, they donated 10,000 surgical masks to New York hospitals. Dolly Parton donated a million dollars for coronavirus research. Hawaiian Airlines is offering free flights for medical workers. They want to come help those hard-hit areas with COVID-19. My love original recipe, KFC. They're giving away a million pieces of chicken to their franchisees in the hopes that they will distribute it to their local communities. Eastern Airlines, Pennsylvania, they repatriated nearly 6,000 Americans who were stranded abroad. I know for a fact that the State Department has been bringing people back and working around the clock. They've made it happen. Congratulations to Secretary Pompeo and his entire team. Add Brooks Brothers to the list of U.S. companies shifting production to create these desperately needed medical supplies. They're going to manufacture 150,000 masks per day. Now, what we're seeing is the best in America here. The over So he gave you the bad news first. Did you hear the bad news? It can travel by air and you have neurological symptoms because people are complaining of losing lack of taste. Travels by air, pretty interesting. And we're all on lockdown, pretty interesting. And we haven't seen any chemtrails, pretty interesting. But what we're seeing is uh, homegrown USA Brooks Brothers, where you buy a suit for like a million dollars, making masks. This pandemic... This wave we're riding right now and this storm that has come here is going to be cleansed with the tears of the globalist cabal. It's coming down on them. We are seeking economic independence by not relying on other nations for products. That's number one. Number two, uh, you know, 
talking about Wisconsin, you know, the president, while I was on air, tweeted out that, hey, there's this new Supreme Court justice for Wisconsin that's running. We need him. That's after his Minnesota mining and manufacturing tweet and all the nice little tidbits that I put. Because, you know, after all, I shifted gears at a time in my life where I'm supposed to be steady, right? I had a solid career since I was a teenager and I shifted gears because I had a new mission in life <laughs> and it never changed. It was always to serve people, right? And that's what I do. And I think all of us are starting to realize that we're getting a lot more love and a lot more affection, just like Hannity said, by serving others selflessly, not expecting something in return, but simply love out of love. And you are seeing this. This is, this is why America was great. This is why they left the other nations and came here and decided to sit down and set roots at first peacefully, but there were, you know, a few Kabbalists that slipped in and some of them even have their signature on the constitution because they knew that it was nothing but paper. Remember, that's what Pelosi said. It's not a living document. It's just a piece of paper and we need to fix it. How many times have they challenged it in the past three years? Many times. How many times have they challenged it throughout our history? Numerous times adding and subtracting. Well, this time we're going to keep it to the basic core. We're going to fix this. And this is how it's happening. We're going to suspend their ability to be able to act effectively. On that note, stay tuned. This weekend is going to be pretty crazy. So keep your eye out on what the president tells you because there's always those presidential alerts. God bless. God bless.